0: Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota. We bring you exciting real life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics and that little bit more.
1: Okay, so welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast on this sunny afternoon. um, I'm joined by another guest who's joining me in the Women in Property series that I'm doing. Uh, I'd like to take full credit for this Women in Property uh, series, but I can't because it was my wife who actually uh, spurred me on to do it, and I'm so glad she did because as the weeks are going on, I'm speaking to some amazing ladies out there that are doing some amazing things, and I'm so glad to be joined by this particular lady on the podcast because I've been following her for a while. Her journey is absolutely fantastic, and I know she's doing some amazing things. So with lo and behold, Stephanie Taylor from HMO Heaven, thank you very much for joining me on the J2Hub podcast.
2: Hey James, it's amazing to be here. I can't wait to dive in.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I know it's a lovely hot day today here in London. I don't know where you are in the world today.
2: I'm in Wales. I'm sitting right on the River Usk, so maybe I could just jump in
0: <laughs> for a little <laughs> swim. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm looking out my window. I can see the sun shining. I can see people sitting across the park there. It's very tempting to be out there. But uh, yeah, we've got other things to do. Stephanie, most people start by asking a little bit about you. I'm going to flip it up. I'm going to ask you, what's your end goal? Yeah. Why do you do what you do? And what's your vision?
2: yeah well as as we dive into this what you 'll find out is that uh, i didn 't get started young you know you have always been a hustler from school days you 've always had this vision um, i i 've been very different and that i haven 't had that vision, and it 's only since um, The last few years, over the age of forty-five, I got started in business, in property, and found this spark, and found this fire, and found this world that is just so incredibly exciting. So, what, what what drives me is is sharing that that with other people is that inspiration because what I realize now is that everything that I'm doing there I could have been doing you know 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago I had everything then that I needed but I couldn't see it and I think there's so many people like that who are struggling financially like I was or in situations that they don't want to be in and all they need to do is flip that switch and so I want to inspire more people to flip that switch to go yes yes you can do this
1: great stuff so you say you started later on what was it that said was there something that or was there a light bulb moment when you were there in whatever you were doing before I want to touch on this a little bit later that said you know what that's it I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to get out of here and do something for myself.
2: Yeah there was a light bulb moment like anybody who knows me now is going to be hearing this again again so I'll just um, briefly touch on it but basically I, I, I'd, I'd managed to Uh, land on my feet and uh, found a job working in financial services contracting I was amazed that this thing existed because it was kind of you're administering the projects basically Uh, so it's quite a simple role but the salaries are really quite good and you work on a limited company basis but it can be quite stressful and quite intense So I was working for various different banks and I was on a particular contract when my mum called me up one morning and I was like, you know, and I was sort of, even though I knew that she wasn't feeling very well, she doesn't really usually call me in the mornings. I think she, when I look back on it, I think she just woke up and just felt really low and just needed to Mm -hmm. reach out for that bit of, you know, personal connection and to feel a bit of love and like she's on there on her own. And um, I kind of, was very rushed on the phone and couldn't wait to get into work and thinking about all the things I was doing that particular day in the presentation and all of these other things were going in my head am I going to be late now um but then when I was all of that had happened I'm sitting at my desk in the afternoon and I'm just sort of looking out the window and I'm thinking oh my god and it sort of hits you that's when it hit me in the belly I thought what is your life because if you had not come in the bank today it would not make any difference maybe a meeting would have been rearranged or maybe somebody else would present the materials the bank doesn't matter i mean you don't matter to the bank the bank even if the chief executive was to leave the bank uh, it would all be fine okay And uh, I thought, if you want to live to your values, what you say that you value, if you value your family and your mum was ill, could you go there for three months? No, I couldn't because I need to be in one spot to make the money that I need to fund the lifestyle that I don't have time to enjoy. So it just (laughs) made me realise my, yeah, I'm in shackles, basically. I'm living my life in chains, not to my own choices or I'm making the wrong choices. And that just led me to ask the question, how could I make the right choices? What is that out there for me? Because I believe that I couldn't do in business or property or these things. But that gave me the bravery and the courage to like pick up and look and try and see if there's anything that I can do.
1: Right. Okay. Stephanie, would you say that like, I, I've got nothing against people who work for anybody else who've got a nine to five, you know, I know yeah. a lot of my friends have got quite high power jobs, but yeah. for me, when I was working in a nine to five, I always felt that the, the best way I can describe it is I felt like I was, you know, I was in this cage and there was yeah. only certain places I could go in this cage. I can go from this corner, this corner, that corner. I could maybe venture out into that other cage for a little bit, but I could never freely kind of just jump out of that cage and be where I wanted to be and do what I wanted to do. Would you say you kind of, it was the same for you? Did you feel that kind of sense or?
2: Yeah. I mean, the level of control is crazy. I mean, I was in quite a senior role in a, as a contractor position, um, but even things down to the emails, the language, I felt that I could not use my creativity because it's a bank. Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's mental lockdown as well as time lockdown physical uh lockdown I just felt when I had that moment I just thought you're here for a reason there's something else for you it's not this is not your place like for some people maybe that is where their magic is maybe that's where their power maybe that's their special thing um you know for them it's not like it was for me Uh, But for me, at that point, I just thought you have got to do this thing, you've got to do it. And I, you know, I think we all have those little sparks of moments where we think, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if I was doing this or if I was doing that, but we don't have the courage to like move forward or the belief. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely felt the same as you mentioned
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I stayed in a nine to five for a a small period of time. And, you know, I I remember when I finally left, uh, it felt like this just massive weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I felt really free and like, you know, almost like I was floating. And, uh, you know, along the time I did try and get I did go back into nine to five for little stints of like maybe one month or two months. But, you know, one week on a London tube traveling in in the morning, I was just like, no way siri can I do this, so for me, it was very much a push, like you say you you, you think to yourself, there's got to be something else out there for me. this can't just be it. I can't just be sitting on this sweaty tube all day long and in this office, and no siri I mean uh when the light bulb moment finally goes off it's uh, I feel it's a it's a big relief almost you know it's uh it's quite a nice feeling,
2: yeah, yeah it, it was, and I- I don't know where I, I, don't know where the, it just felt so strong that I couldn't ignore it anymore.
1: So. <laughs> so Stephanie, tell me, where did, uh, where did the property all come into? I mean, um, is it something you were always dabbling in or was it just, you thought, right, I quit my job, I'm going into property?
2: Well, I didn't really feel that I had like business skills or knew a lot about business. So I, I just, looked around me and thought "Mm, I think there's something to property I believe that this is how people are doing these things not working as a job and for that my thinking was maybe that's a bit more attainable if somebody doesn't know about business a lot and um, so I started attending different meetings I was living in Bristol at the time I started going to all these meetings I was just sitting there in the front row (laughs) my jaw was on the floor thinking oh my gosh (laughs) what what surely this I can't believe you know every week it was like I can't believe this is even a thing
1: Mm -hmm. so um one of the things I know you're quite well known for is rent to rent HMOs Yeah. yeah
2: um
1: what I wanted to ask you was uh would you say I know there's there's this whole I want to try and be polite about it some people say rent to rent is not really a business I don't agree with that some people say oh it's not really a strategy I've heard certain speakers you know talk about saying oh rent to rent is just about changing light bulbs and all this nonsense I don't agree with it but what would you say about rent to rent
2: well I think that most of what people say about rent to rent is true it's everything so it isn't it is a business uh some people say it's not a property investment strategy I can see where they're coming from there but what I what I what I love about rent to rent and why I decided to go into it in the first instance was with with rent to rent you can um, I was going to say invest in but <laughs> you can work with you can make money from other people's properties that's the first thing but because there's a low barrier to entry there's a lot of people doing it really badly they're trying to rip people off or not do a good job or work out how they can make the money without putting in anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where rent to rent gets a bad name. So when we came into rent to rent, I knew that if we went in with the idea, we're going to be exceptional. So anybody who works with us, whether it's a landlord, a tenant, or anybody, a building contractors, handyman, everybody who works with us is going to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I'm working with them. And um, when you've got that when you're bringing that attitude to it, your business is always going to fly. And so we can make properties make money that previously were losing money. And it's just by bringing in um, simple systems, but also with the intention behind them of providing service and when you provide service and providing value and obviously you have to have an eye on the numbers and make sure that the numbers work the fundamentals work before you start providing your service but once you know those those fundamentals are in place and you're providing service your business will do well and that's the fundamentals that we bring to rent to rent the way that we do it.
1: No, that's great I mean something you said there you said that you always wanted to offer a, an exceptional service would you say that um your vision was quite clearly laid out before you went into any kind of property strategy did you know exactly what you wanted to do
2: yeah it's weird James because there I was you know I'm there, you know at this uh, still at my desk because I'm listening to podcasts as well um obviously at the time it was the inside property investing Tech Talks wasn't even around then but back in 2000. oh really well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and I would so I would go to work, I had these wonder lists, I was so organized because I was so fired up. So before work, I would be looking at my wonder list, what's to be done, what what am I assigning to today? Then in my lunch hour, I'm actually calling agents and da da da. da, da. And um so I'm I'm just all in on property and so much so that I can't
1: even remember the question. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the question was, did you always have your, because you said you wanted to offer an yeah, exceptional service. Was your vision, vision always there from day one?
2: The good thing about me uh, that i would learned, I didn't even know that I had this, is I'm quite creative. I have all these good ideas. And I it just came to me one day, HMO heaven, because I'd, I'd gone to these events and I'd seen people showing the HMOs, they're not all that nice. Uh, I thought, oh, we could do better than that. We could make them look good. You know, when you're naive and you um, you just think that, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That, that's going to be straightforward. So right from the day when we called it HMO Heaven, that's when you know that you're going to have to provide something exceptional, otherwise you're not living up to your name. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you don't want someone calling you HMO hell, do you really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, one of the things that I'm really proud of is that we've got a team now.
2: And we have Luke, he is managing doing all the day-to-day. Um and we've got over 50, it might be even 60 now, reviews on Google. So when you Google HMO Heaven, all of these reviews come up from both tenants, a uh, tenants, excuse me, and landlords. And I think that's testament to the the way that the way that our team is is operating, um, that what we have, our vision, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Stephanie, I love the name, and, you know, and I think the branding looks on point. It really, you know, just saying the name HMO Heaven just kind of makes you kind of just think, ah, oh, you know, yeah. I'm going to be yeah. in quite good hands here. So what I wanted to talk to you about, I don't know if you know, but I had a recent experience with yes. a mentor in HMO Rogue, land uh, rogue agency so you know it I trusted them too much I've owned the house for a long long time it was way before I went into property these guys said to me hey look I'll take your property off you we'll give you a fixed rent each month and we'll look after it and I thought you know I wasn't in property full-time then I don't even think I knew about rent to rent seven or eight years ago and then you know it all started off well it started off well when there was a proper company running it it started going wrong when the agency took it on themselves and Ah. and this place has gone from being a lovely beautiful house in one of the best streets in the east end of london to being a nightmare property i mean i went in there a few weeks ago and it's got a hole in the ceiling there's a toilet waste pipe that's been leaking into the kitchen there's one light bulb working in the in the kitchen um the cooker doesn't work there's a There's some kind of pests there as well because I've seen the little black boxes everywhere. And, you know, I I had to, I walked in and I immediately walked down. I had to go and take a walk and just have a breather because I thought, when I bought this house, this was my dream house. Mm. And when I rented it to these agents, it was still my dream house. Now I walk in there and it's an absolute nightmare. And Mm. I really, really felt for every single tenant living there. Um, cause like you say, when you care about people and you care about providing a good service, it hit me. And, it, and that's when I realized, okay, there's a very, very good reason why every single one of these tenants has not paid rent for the last three months. And it's pretty much, I look at it, maybe my fault for not inspecting it enough, but the agent was given a massive repair list to do and he never did it. And he, I found out later on that they only used to go there once or twice a year. They used to let them get on with it. And it was just a nightmare. So, you know, when I came across your company, I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I have to ask Stephanie what she thinks about that. And what's your opinions on that?
2: Yeah, what I think is people, some not everyone, but a lot of people are doing the best that they can do. So some people go into rent to rent because it's, it's, it's got a low entry barrier. And it's not because that they want to do a great re- service. And they want to do a great service and, you know, make the profit that comes from delivering a great service and providing value. And so I think a lot of people are trying to shortcut. And the thing is, Rent-to-rent is already an incredible strategy because you you can make money, you know, in a short period of time compared to most businesses, you don't make money in that short period. You only need a low amount of investment to get started in it. You've got the names and addresses of your perfect customers. Uh, so it's a, really, it's a really lovely business model. It's a simple business. It's something that you can do on the side of a full-time job, it, you know, with one property or two property, for example. Um, But I think the people who go into it and they want everything out, but they don't want to put anything in. That's what causes the incidences like yours. And also the other thing you have to be good at for any business is you've got to be good at difficult conversations or become good at difficult conversations. I feel I'm always growing in that. When you can have difficult conversations and recognize the other people's side like you have been having with your tenants, for example because you're seeing their side and you're able to come to uh, an agreement. Uh, A lot of the people who I find they have the personality where if they want something for nothing, also they're quite bad at having difficult conversations because they Mm -hmm. can't see the Mm -hmm. other person's side. They can't see your side as the landlord. They can only see their own side. Um, So I think that's why these things happen and these things happen... um, you know, regularly. And that's why I think rent to rent has a bad name. So one of the things that we we do is show people how to be exceptional. All of the free info that we have out there is, and being exceptional actually is simple. It sounds like you're working really hard, but actually it's easier to run a really good property than it is to let things go to the
1: dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, like, you know, for the last, lot like where you said they they couldn't have a difficult conversation, these agents, and that's exactly what it was. So the minute COVID hit, they used that as an excuse to say, look, these guys are not paying any more rent. And, you know, I thought I'll leave it a month. I'll leave it two months, see what happens. And then when I went round there, you know, for the tenants to say, James, you're actually quite a nice guy. And, you know, we didn't expect that. We thought this was all the owners fault. And I said, hey, look, I didn't even know about half of this stuff. And suddenly I've gone in there and had this nice conversation with them. The following month, they started paying me rent again. Mm. We've addressed some of the repairs. We're starting to get things done. Although we are kind of completely vacating the property now and, and doing a back to brick renovation because that's how bad it is mm. but like you say it just goes to show just being able to have a conversation with someone and I always say to it's a very expensive lesson I've learned because I've lost a lot of rent but at the same token I've learned some really good things about it and my advice to anyone going through the same thing is knock on the door and go and have a word with the tenants because mm. you'll find that they're not nasty people there's always a reason why someone stops paying rent you know um, maybe they're a chancer but nine times out of ten it if there's a toilet pipe leaking into the kitchen, I think that is good enough reason to stop paying your rent. Yes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, and it comes into every aspect of the business, you know, these difficult conversations because sometimes tenants are, you know, well dodged or they're just not suitable for a house share. Um, so we have had a few, a few of those whereby you have to go in and just let it known how you're operating and um how they how they have to operate within that. Or there's always a way that you can negotiate somebody out who who can't be there. You know, there's some people who for the sake of the sanity of the other uh, tenants just can't be there. It's just it's just not a possibility that you can have them there for three months while the eviction process goes through. So you need to find a way in which they feel that it's better for them to move out than it is for them to stay there. And it's just how do you make that happen? And and that's, that's, that's what you can do when you start to master this art. And it's an art I'm obviously developing and growing into, but I'm seeing great results as I get better at it.
1: -hmm. Now, with you, the dynamics totally has to be right because all it takes is one bad apple in a house of six, and you know, before you know it, everybody's upset and everybody's got a problem just because of one person.
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 the good the way that I know about this more is because we've had to teach somebody else to do it, so you know I've had to teach Luke to do it so that I don't have to get involved like normally on a day-to-day Luke obviously won't be having house meetings with the with the house tenants unless there's some sort of incident or issue but we have just found a really way a great way of managing those meetings so that everybody comes out of it feeling really good about it and um and I don't have to go to them anymore because what I saw when I went to the first one where we tried this new system is that Luke was able to manage it perfectly himself. And mm-hmm. um, so it, it's just, yeah, documenting what works and then, you know, your team can, your team can do it for you. Well,
1: that all sounds really good, that. Uh, so Stephanie, let's say, for example, um, I came to HMO Heaven with my HMO and I said, look, I've, absolutely had enough you know I don't know what to do. How would you handle someone like me? How do you go about taking on uh, a kind of new landlord who just wants to you know put their trust completely in HMO heaven?
2: Yeah so we do it two ways because obviously we want to work with people that we like and who share our values and so do you so I think at first we just find out a lot about you your property what issues you've had what you're looking for what your ideal scenario is then we want to find out about the property go and have a look at it then we're going to give you um some options so it'll be this is the guaranteed rent we can pay you if your place is done up and all ready to go um we can if if you want to do the work to bring it up to par Um, then here's the rent we can give you. We can manage the works for you. Obviously, you're paying or we can pay for the works. We're going to give you less rent. And this is what it's going to be. And then you've got those options and you can think about what you want. But the main thing is that we want to say is that it's basically guaranteed rent, freedom from tenant management, total peace of mind. So once we take over your property. So let me give you an example, because we're now going through the lockdown. So our landlords, um, we were worried at the beginning because we didn't know what was this situation was going to be. We were aware that obviously, with everyone closing down and lots of businesses going out of businesses, some people wouldn't be able to pay their rent uh, because they've just been made unemployed. And um, we, at that time, there wasn't the government hadn't said that it would be paying people and increasing universal credit and furlough and all that so so we were concerned so we got in touch with all of our landlords to say that we would be paying them the full rent um but we're going to have to keep in touch with them because the government's uh, impinging our running of our business So Mm -hmm. we're just going to keep in touch. So since um, the beginning of April, it came in on the 23rd of um, March. We uh, pay our rent on the first of uh, each month. So from the beginning of April, we got in touch with them the first time. Every month we've been getting in touch with them. We've been paying them the full rent all in all. And now things seem to be returning so that there's um, movement. We have seen more demand going on. So um, how I look at it is, it's easy to get caught up in this moment, the crisis or the the issues that are happening right now. But if I just lift up my gaze, I'm like, this is a five year thing, okay? <laughs> so this is a three or four month glitch. And so it's still a good deal because it's four years and however many months of, you know, good. And so we already had some buffer in place uh, so that we can ride out the storm. And because of the communications that we've also had with the tenants, Um, you know there's only a few tenants who are on some sort of payment plan but everybody is uh, everybody's been great really and I think it's because we had those conversations
1: you know early on. No that's fantastic I mean like you know my scenario obviously i I've, I've lost rent on one property but again the other hmos have been absolutely fantastic and why have they been good because they've done to a very high standard there's some really nice tenants in there we've used a management company that's done some referencing checks and the yeah. systems just there you know and you compare yeah. it to a rogue to someone who's professional and you think <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. the sake of saving 3% or whatever it might be you've got yeah. months and months of headache yeah. um yeah. but it's great that you're you know you've been able to honor your side of the deal with the landlords, because I know there's been a lot of people where they're like, I've seen it on Facebook groups. It's yeah. like, Oh, I'm handing my property back. And yeah. I think that's so narrow minded because you may have had three years of such a good run, but you're not prepared yeah. to take the rough with the smooth.
2: Well, I can see both sides, obviously. And what I said to people is you need to have that conversation. If you need to give the property back, because for whatever reason, you don't have a financial buffer, maybe you just actually, they just simply can't pay. Um, and not everybody manages their finances effectively so um, but I think if you need to give back you need to talk and you need to see some landlords want to talk to you and will come to an arrangement with you maybe there's going to be a lower period maybe there's going to be a period where you're just paying for the tenants who are there um, so it's whatever you two can agree between yourself and if some landlords I know don't want to talk or negotiate anything and in that case you might have to but I think it's all about what I said first which was you know, you need to have those conversations and you need to get good at having difficult conversations.
1: Difficult conversations. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Stephanie, there's always a case of where people are saying, you know, um, the tenant needs to be protected, the tenant needs to be protected and the tenant needs to be protected. What do you guys do at HMO Heaven to make sure the actual landlord or the owner of the house is protected?
2: Yeah, so basically, because we're paying all the landlords anyway, um, if the tenant doesn't pay, that's our problem. It's, it's a problem for us. It's not a problem for the landlords. So how we do that is partly what you said earlier. It's when we're referencing in them in the beginning. We do all our own referencing um, because we feel that a lot of it is the paperwork and then the other part of it is the person. And people show you who they are when you meet them. And you just got to listen to that. What the, only, the, the red flag, I think, for tenancy is people who can't manage themselves emotionally is always a problem in the house share so <laughs> if you see people getting really angry over something that's a minor that's a no-no um wouldn't have that person move in because anything that happens in the run-up to somebody moving into a property is it's not a big dis- issue uh so people should not be flying off the handle about anything but th- those are the people who i would say are not suitable for a house show that we don't want to work with so the second thing is once you've got them in their tenant uh, sorry their reference and so on you show people how to interact with you uh, by how you interact with them. And there'll be some people who previously have not paid their rent at a different property, but are paying their rent at our property. And um, if people don't pay their rent, we chase them up very quickly. So our rents are due on the 1st, the next working day, then we will contact people if they haven't paid their rent. Usually it's something slipped through the net and then they'll pay. But if they don't pay, then we talk to them about the options available to them. Obviously, if we want to evict them, we've got to go through that long process. We choose, we prefer to come to a voluntary arrangement um, because it's better for both parties if they can't afford the rent that they should move move on. Uh, so so basically, that, that's how we manage things. And we have very low rent arrears. Um, you know, mostly there's nothing at all. But I know that we do have a little bit at the moment because some, you know, there's a handful of people who are on payment plans who are paying a bit lower, and then they're
1: going to catch up. Mm -hmm. What do you think the future of the HMO market is, Stephanie?
2: Brilliant. I love this question because I think the future of property is so incredible at the moment. The reason is, you know, you know, James, is that any moment in time has its opportunities boom times have their opportunities down times have their opportunities down times have more opportunity because there are fewer people looking for the opportunity and of the people looking for the opportunity fewer people can move forward with the opportunity because financing becomes tighter in a down time so that opens up What's available? So let's start off with HMOs, which is the question you asked me. So we heard a lot of people uh, saying before COVID that uh, you know HMOs getting oversaturated, blah blah. Um, that was in a boom time. You know the economy was going up. Now that we're going into a slowdown, um, demand for HMO rooms goes up. The Mm -hmm. second thing that's happening at the same time is that Article 4 is coming in uh, across more places. That's restricting the number of new HMOs that can come in. So that is great because it means that supply and demand, there's lower supply and combined with a period of time when there's going to be more demand. What also happens in the recession is that more people break up when people break up it tends to be the guys but the guys tend to come into a high share scenario um just on a temporary basis and I think most HMO landlords will be familiar with that and that will be happening more now going forward so what what I think we're going to see is that uh, demand is going to go is, is going to go up for for HMOs um, I was going to stop there, but let me just mention another thing. <laughs> another thing that's going to happen is there's going to be more scope for creative strategies for buying HMOs and other types of, um, well, commercial property, but let's just keep it to HMOs. People are going to be one to selling out of HMOs for all different reasons. Maybe they're retiring. Maybe they've had enough. Maybe COVID was too much for them. Maybe they've had a bad agent like you did and they just decide, you know what, that's it. Um, they might not be able to get the price that they want, because the market's going into a slowdown so therefore if you come along and say look I'll rent it from you I'll buy it from you in five years let's agree this price I'm going to pay you this much up front I'm going to pay you this much and da, da, da. so you've got you've got more opportunity for those creative strategies I think.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm I'm totally with you. I, I keep saying to everybody, they ask me, James, what do you think the strategy is with HMOs moving forward? And like you say, not a lot of people are going to be able to, if they've lost their job, to afford a one bedroom flat here in London where you're paying the council tax, where you might be paying service charges, whereas you could move into a nice room somewhere and it might cost you £700 a month and you still saved yourself five or 600 quid every single month and it it just becomes a no-brainer really and I'm with you I I, I honestly feel it's going to be a great great time for HMOs Uh, hence the reason why I'm quite looking forward to taking my London one back to brick and really remodeling it into something really nice.
2: The the other big opportunities I see coming up is self-contained units all on one title uh, already converted obviously commercial because there's going to be much more Fewer people want to buy it Excuse me. A few, you so see, you've got less fewer buyers in the first place. Um, so there's going to be there's going to be a big opportunity there. The other one is social housing because on the other side you've got a strategy where you're actually doing good, but and also from a business point of view, it's recession resistance. So I think those are some of the strategies that are going to be. Really big coming forward. And uh, we bought that because that's the thing I like to talk about is that rent to rent is a great strategy to get started. It's a cash flow strategy. It's a business. You don't get the capital growth. And I think that's what people mean when they say it's not a property investment strategy. Um, but you, once you're there, you get more options for the creative strategies. We've, um, we've bought some properties on lease options, some properties on exchange with delayed completions as a direct result of being involved with rent to rent. And then we've also bought other properties, which we've had uh, conventional finance, commercial financing for. And my favorite one, uh, I suppose it's the most recent as well, is is the 12 unit block, 12 units all on one title. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, when good things come out of bad things, because we tried to buy, I think a six bed HMO. I think we tried to buy six flats all in one and we kept missing out. Uh, one was one was one was a low valuation and two were a low valuation actually we kept and and we we felt we couldn't move forward then we started looking at this this bigger property and the only reason we were looking at that bigger property was because these other two had fallen out of bed and we would never have gotten into these bigger units had it not been for that and so when we got these 12 later on I then worked out oh my goodness this is the way to go because it's £32,000 per unit. You can't even buy in the valleys. Tej, come on. You get... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure any of yours haven't got. You're getting rentals between £450 and £600 pounds for all of those units. One of them's a commercial unit. The buying costs are, are lower than with 12 separate properties, the maintenance costs are lower than for 12 separate properties um the refurbishment costs are lower than for 12 separate properties uh, so it's got so many um it's got so many pluses it's it's unreal and because there was one commercial unit involved you can't get normal uh finance you've got to get commercial finance and again that reduces the number of buyers and again it makes you more it means that usually you're going to be paying for lower lower prices so that's another area that that we want to uh keep going with that we found accidentally.
1: So that was your little gem buy of this year, was it?
2: Yeah, it was it's actually, was it last year? Oh, it was a bleep, bleep nightmare with, <laughs> you know, getting all the, um, we, we had all our finance papers in place because we'd already been through the process twice with pre- two previous finance that had fallen through different way, reasons. So we're now going into the third one. All the papers are in place, but each lender seems to ask for different things um and you provide they ask for abc you provide abc then 6 months later or 3 months later or whatever they come back for xyz which was already supplied with abc anyway you know it's it's all that back and forth but um it was it was great
1: it was great to get there in the end so stephanie when you're buying your own properties um do you guys so would you buy something say that's below market value or something that needs some work, add value to it and then refinance it or yeah. you don't do you, is that what you do?
2: That is the ideal. Yeah. But the great okay. thing about the way that we're doing it is we don't have to refi straight away because um, mm-hmm. I suppose it all depends on what your risk tolerance level is. And I don't know, but I think, I think I have a medium risk tolerance It's not high, but it's more than low. So, What I feel comfortable doing is when we bought this property at 375k, um, we had it valued by the lender and we were worried again, oh my gosh, is this, because the lender chooses their own valuers, obviously, Mm -hmm. and we thought, oh, and the, the guy's coming from far afield, so he might not understand Newport, and... We thought, oh, it's going to end up again where they give some crazy low valuation and this whole thing might fall out of bed yet again. And not all the time will the seller negotiate a price and all of the rest of it. And so you can't get the borrowing you need, so you need to have more up front. Anyway, we were shocked when the valuation came back at, they give you the 30-day, the 60-day, the 90-day, but the 90-day was at half a million. So that's adding on. 125k so but the report was actually really good the rental values he understood cuz when the property was on sale that's the other great thing about commercial property is that the 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 rents were really low when we bought it and this valuation was obviously with the property in that condition so now we've raised the property the rents substantially so we know that that will come into the next revaluation so if it was 500 before um it could be the same but we think it's going to be more because we've done a significant um refurb you'll be able to see on um hmoheaven.co.uk there's a case studies page and at the top that we've got this one as a case study and you'll be able to see the difference between the before and after
1: Mm -hmm. so do you When you're refinancing, are you one of those people that are, I know you said you don't need to do it immediately, but are you one of those people that is looking to pull all your money out or do you think that just doesn't exist anymore?
2: We uh, we know that we would be able to pull all of our money out uh, Mm -hmm. or we suspect that we would based on the valuation that we've already had previously. I know we're going into a market slowdown, but what we're seeing here in Wales is that the slowdown is not going to be as... Uh, much as it might be in London where they had that huge overheating, whereas our property price levels are only just coming back to the 2008 peaks. And so we think that because it's commercial as well, that it's going to be based on rental value. And if that rental income is still coming in, that we're going to see a significant increase in value, such to the point that we will be able to get more than our 100 grand back out. Um, Having said that, we've got this on a repayment mortgage, uh, again, that tells you uh, a bit more about our risk levels. We don't do that on every single property that we've got, but we like to have some where we know that we're paying it down and others that are on in the interest only and they're all still cash flowing. So that, that just kind of works for us because at the end of the day, um, we all want to own the assets as well.
1: Yeah, no, because it's always a, it's always a kind of a mixed review um, topic when I ask people about refinancing, because my, my latest deal, I'm going to have to leave money in there, you know, but then I keep saying to people, it's 12 rooms and yeah, okay, I might be leaving 60 or 70,000 pounds in there, but it generates nearly five and a half eight thousand, sorry, five and a half to 5,800 pound a month. When you look at it in that term, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But then you speak to some people and they're like, oh, I would never leave that much in a deal but you just kind of, you got to weigh it up.
2: And also, it's about how you can use the money. You're using that money effectively, that 60 grand to to make more money. We're actually just in the process because, you know, we've been on this journey for four years now of um, talking to tax consultants about what we should be doing with the profits, how we should be structuring the business because we've got assets in some businesses, we've got a service business, we've got a teaching business. um, They're all different, um, but should it be a group format? Should it not? And so we're making those decisions and then we'll be looking at um, putting some of the assets in trust. And not only Mm -hmm. I have got a son, not only for my son, but also for the, for the campaigns, for the, for the causes that we believe in, because the the great thing about uh, being in property and being able to create our own assets, create our own wealth, make something out of nothing, which is, which is one of the joys of being in business is that we get to give, we get to choose as well, who we're going to give to, which um, Mm. I think there's nothing in the world that feels uh, as good as that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. So Stephanie, I told you this was about uh, uh, women in property. A couple of things that I wanted to ask you. So when you started in property, would you say you got any kind of uh, gender discrimination when you were talking to contractors or, you know, builders? Because you get that whole persona of contractors that, you know, they're wolf whistlers, you walk down past the site, they're all ogling women and doing all sorts of things. Did you feel any of this yourself when you were – maybe talking to contractors or getting started even talking to male estate agents
2: yeah well I think yes is the answer because people see you and they make their decision about you and I had already made the decision about myself you were not a property or business person (laughs) so I've now started in, in property and business and obviously my view of myself has changed but other people have lagged behind um So my sister deals mainly with the contractors and with all of that maintenance side of things. I don't really know the detail on that side. And she is so good. So people might have those views beforehand, but if they work with her, they totally respect her. Everybody wants to work with her because she would, she will explain it in the detail. She's a detailed person. She gives you the spreadsheet. She gives you the email. She then clarifies the clarification. So everybody, <laughs> everybody knows what they're doing uh, with Nikki. And I think they totally respect that. And everybody who's come into our lives on the property journey, who's got to know us a little bit, I think does respect what we do, even people who don't like us because they can see that it's, it's kind of in the intention, James, that when the intention is good and you're out there to do an excellent job, whatever aspect of it, whether it's refurbishing, whether it's refinancing, what, you know, whether it's the training that we do with the students that we have and you want to deliver, people can see that. So they might have given you, they might not have taken you seriously, but as soon as they, Find out a little bit more about you. I think people do. I think people do take them seriously, and and that other women, and especially what I find is that other black women get in touch with me and say, "Oh, I was so inspired to see what you and Nikki are doing because I had never thought of that," um, and that really, you know, that really touches my heart as well.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's a great cause. Um, so you talked about education. Can you tell us a little bit about your education business as well, or the other arm you have to your business?
2: Yeah, so basically, it's called rent to rent success. Very imaginative, okay. but uh, it's basically to show people how they can start this sort of profit, uh, this this sort of property business as their first step into property. Now, as you alluded to earlier, James, it doesn't suit everyone. So, if 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 some people want to just get in, put their money in, not really have um, any time inputs or what have you then this is not the strategy but I think it's a great strategy for people who want to get started get one or two properties have some you know decent cash flow coming in and and then start thinking okay got this now what's next and move on to other strategies um there's all different ways to do it and some people do it by just using other people's money from the beginning I think I felt when we were going in when we were starting, that I wanted to do it first and get to grips with it, and rent to rent was a way for me to do that. And once we'd done that, then I was I was happier buying the properties and uh, getting into the other aspects, you know, that we got into.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Stephanie, you said that you get a lot of um, you know black women reaching out to you, mm-hmm. you know, saying that you've inspired them. One of my questions to you was, if you've um, you know the listeners listening, if there's any young women out there looking to get into property, but they're kind of a little bit reluctant where, you know, let's face it, it's quite a man heavy field at times. If they're sitting there that, you know, they want to get started. They're not quite sure if they should. Um What would your advice to be someone like that? Who's someone who's, you know, who's living it, doing it, breathing it now.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. The advice would be absolutely to do it. You will be amazed at what happens in a short time if you just do it. But I just want to take you back uh, slightly. Um, When I was 18 and I had my son, Alex, I was on my own with him. I was on benefits. I was literally in the supermarket. It was days before mobile phones with my calculator and my little purse working out, oh, could I put that in? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I need to put the butter back and have something else. And it was it was a hard life because you didn't. I didn't have the maturity at that at that time. I didn't have the mindset that I now know about. I didn't realize that everything was in my control. That what I think affects my results and all of these things that now is so easy to me. So what I say to anybody if they they're watching, maybe you're struggling financially, maybe you're you're a mom as well. Um, that yeah, this is open to you. But the first step really is. This is where our little mantra comes into it, which is believe bigger, be bolder, be a game changer. And the believe bigger is the first step, because everything you already need, have within you is what you need for success. Um, but you have to give yourself permission first. And that's where the believe bigger comes into it. Um normally our minds will be giving us all the negatives but you just have to let yourself continually keep opening that door to believe bigger what's the next step for you maybe right now you can't believe I can have I can be owner of a multi-million pound property portfolio but maybe right now you believe I can find out more about property I think this is something I can do I can see somebody over there has done it from a very similar background or whatever you need to say to yourself Uh, the next thing is to be bolder because most of us hide you don't want people to see that you're now going into property because what if it doesn't work out what about if your auntie sees you or your cousin (laughs) or somebody or what about if somebody says you you've changed or um so you don't want people to see you so you need to be bolder and be okay with that not everyone's going to like it that's fine let them not like it and the last one is to be a game changer that's what we talked about a little bit earlier uh james it's um it's just knowing that you become a game changer in your own life, in your family's life, in our community and then in the wider world because you get to give. And that is something that we feel so passionate about and that really drives us forward because otherwise what's it all for?
1: Mm. No, I agree with you. That's some uh, some really, really sound advice there. And I always say to people, when you do go into the property field, it's actually quite a nice place to be when you mm. connect with the right people. Mm-hmm. Uh, You'll find there's lots of people that will give you time. There's lots mm-hmm. of people that talk to you because I suppose we all remember that we all started somewhere as well. And we reached out to someone or messaged someone or someone gave us that sound advice. And everybody feels that they want to help everyone. I, I think it's a really enjoyable and a happy place.
2: Yeah, it is. I still remember the thing that totally foxed me when I was getting into it. So we had this property and I thought, oh, my gosh, but what do you do? There's all these things that you do with the tenants. So what? What? How do you find out? Where's the list? You know, I, I was totally um, I can remember spending ages on that just to make sure that everything was in place and setting up all those systems. But yeah, so I can totally because it was only four years ago for us um and that that's the crazy thing so if you're just thinking about getting started just do it because within 5 years you can dramatically
1: change your life wow yeah i just don't think it gets much realer than that really does it so stephanie it brings us to the end of the podcast i've got two last questions to you as uh, for you even um if you could go back in time what would you tell a younger stephanie say so someone who when you were 18 years old what would you tell yourself two things that you'd tell yourself actually
2: okay um well i would say that you might think of yourself as in terms of disappointment or shame or that you haven't the your, your path hasn't gone the way that you thought it would but everything that you need within you everything that you need for success is already within you and i would say use these three thoughts to help you and the three thoughts are one I will always be there for you. Two, that I am resourceful. And three, that I'm unstoppable because you know that you'll be able to keep going. And if you lean into those three thoughts that you're you're always going to be there for you, you're going to be your biggest cheerleader, that you're resourceful, you can find things out, you can learn things, you can work things out. And three, that you're going to keep going and that you will reach success. I think wow. I'll just keep it at that
1: one. <laughs> wow. No, that's, that's, that's some powerful stuff there. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing is nine times out of 10, we doubt ourselves so much that it kind of stops us from even starting. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So Stephanie, my last question. It seems to throw people. Um, so what's one guilty pleasure or naughty mm-hmm. habit that you just could not live without, which you must do.
2: Oh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well um I think for me it's always going to be a foodie one um and I've got a few I've got a few little ones um it, the, <laughs> it, I, I know it's kind of crazy but raw cashew nuts oh oh gosh I, I'm actually going on par off par the things that really cause you know those 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 buzzers to go off okay so raw cashew nuts is one I don't know why it's just a thing the next one is cute dash hound photos. I'm totally obsessed with cute dash hounds mm-hmm. and Facebook knows this. So all over my feed, <laughs> all over my feed, it's like these, these cute dash hounds <laughs> um, in different different situations with the owners. And the, there are lots of us obsessed dash hound people because they're, they're all on my Facebook feed.
1: Oh, wow. So, Stephanie, if um, you mentioned you've got education, you've got the HMO Heaven. If somebody wants to reach out to you, where's the best place to catch you?
2: Yeah, I think if if you want to find out more about getting started in property um, and and not buying properties to start off with, it's rent to rent slash j two, and you can get the oh. free <laughs> yes slash j
1: two. Oh, free, you're the first one to ever do that.
2: <laughs> you get the free guide, free rent to rent success guide and masterclass, and also I have a podcast. I, have I a know. Podcast. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. And it's called the Rent to Rent Success podcast, but you'll never guess what that is about. Uh, <laughs> so we've got the Rent to Rent Success podcast, the Rent to renttorentsuccess.com website. And, you know, we've got the YouTube channel. There's a Rent to Rent Success Facebook group. So anywhere across the socials, you can check me out or slide into my DMs on Insta. I'm Stephanie T Property on Insta.
1: I got to say the YouTube is fantastic. I've seen some of the stuff on there. I really love that. There's some really, really good stuff out there.
2: Thanks, James.
1: Yeah. So thank you, uh, Stephanie. Thank you very much for joining us. I will put your social links in the in the kind of show notes and um, for people to connect you. And uh, once again, I think uh, I'm so glad I'm doing this uh, women in property thing because I think uh, a, a lot of women need to hear about what you. Ladies are doing out there because you're doing some fantastic stuff, and to think your journey is only four years old, you know, that's what amazes me because you know, four years just passes like that. I bet you look back now and you think, Wow, I've done so much in four years, (laughs) and previous 10 years, what happened? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, Stephanie, thank you very much again for joining me on this lovely sunny day, and I really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, thanks, James. It's been great to be here.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.